Philadelphia Flyers had a pair of very bad games in New York this week, but it's hard to find a team that has been reeling as much as the Buffalo Sabres have been lately. They have lost 13 straight games, surprisingly. Um, they are one away from tying the record they sent uh, the year of the Michael draft. Uh, to make matters worse, injuries are piling up. Their offense isn't scoring goals. And after a lowly loss to the New Jersey Devils, management decided to make a change. Are their current problems too much for Buffalo to overcome? And could they lose more than the season if they don't right the ship fast? Episode 261 of the Lace Muff Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tuboff. And uh, we will get into the misery of uh, being a Buffalo Sabres fan shortly, but um, the Philadelphia Flyers faithful was pretty miserable on Wednesday, Brett, because they got absolutely throttled by the Rangers. Yeah, for sure. Well, first off, I this just happened to me, so I... Um, I do want to vent a little bit because I do want to pick back to something I forgot to mention last week about ESPN uh, because they, um, you know, like to get for people who aren't aware of ESPN, so people who live in Canada, uh, if you want to get a sense of how much ESPN doesn't care about the NHL, if you go to the ESPN website, and this is what I just did because I was looking up the Flyers-Rangers game uh, recap just so I can like familiar myself again about what what happened there um the tabs they have of all the different sports leagues so they have the nfl nba fine makes sense those are the two most popular leagues here in america that makes sense uh then they have soccer which i guess they also have a partnership they have ncaa men ncaaw which is i mean march madness so i get that mlb even though that's in the off season whatever it's one of the bigger sports then they have the dot 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 which is for other sports they don't even have the nhl on the tabs as one of the if you wanted to check out the nhl leagues you'd have to go to the other sports tab just to get there um which is ridiculous i thought they would have changed it since this deal happened but i guess not they they don't care about that um anyways i'm (laughs) just a force of habit i guess that i'm Still, I still use ESPN to get all my stats. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, so the the Rangers and the Flyers, um, as Steve was alluding to, the Rangers beat the Flyers 9-0. There's a few interesting parts to this. One, uh, Mika Zibanejad finally got going. He had three goals and three assists in this game, um, which is like, you know, we, he, he was probably one of the biggest players to have, like, a huge cold streak uh, throughout the year. I guess it's not even a cold streak at this point. He's just he's just not been good um, at all this year. Um, and he finally got going. He had a hat-trick and three assists. Uh, Pavel Buchnevich, who was also on the, um, he was on the COVID protocol list, but then this was his first game back off of it, and he had two goals and two assists. Uh, Georgiev played and, he, you know, he made the shutout. Um, there's a few other ones like Panarin who, uh, who had a goal. Um, yeah, uh, Jacob Truba scored a goal. I think he also had an assist. Um, Philip Heedle had a goal. Alex Lafreniere had an assist there too. I believe the only, there was only like two players on, oh, there was only, yeah, there was only two forwards. Sorry, four Four players overall that didn't have a point for the Rangers. Uh, Colin Blackwell, Capo Caco, uh, Ryan Lindgren, and Keandre Miller. Um, everyone else got at least a point. Uh, oh, and Brendan Smith, but I don't think he played much. So um, so that's, that's how it was going for uh, the Rangers. Also, uh, the, probably the funniest part about this is the fact that Jack uh, David Quinn, the coach... Uh, he was on the COVID protocol list at that time, so their the entire ass- Rangers staff was yeah the entire Rangers staff for both weekend games 
against the Caps too. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that meant um, I forget the actual coach who was coaching at this point, but, um, but yeah, he he took over and they won nine nothing, um, which is just crazy. And at this point, I'm just thinking like, like, Elaine Vigneault should be fired. And so should David Quinn. If this is what happens when David Quinn's not in charge, then yeah, of course you do it. <laughs> um, so that, that was my biggest takeaway. But um, yeah, it's it's crazy. I don't even know what's going on with Carter Hart. He um, he gave up four goals. Brian Elliott gave up five, I believe. Uh, Elliott started the game though, so um, and he ru- he's ruined my fantasy hockey season. So, but. Um, but yeah, this is uh, it's probably was one of the most craziest games I I watched or I didn't really watch actually, but I was um, what was happening was I like some days I just don't watch hockey. Uh, it's usually the days that the Bruins have off, and um, and then I was just like, oh, let me just check the scores. Let's see who scored goals and who who's gotten all the points and stuff. And then I see like the Rangers are up like. Six nothing, and I'm like, "What? <laughs> Holy shit!" And then all of a sudden, I start to look around, and I'm like, "Oh, it's nine nothing!" All of a sudden, and that's just—it's just insane to me that uh, that's a score in the NHL. Yeah, I thought of all the teams that would probably lose by a lot mm-hmm. by that much, it would probably be the, my Ottawa Senators or the Detroit Red Wings. Right, right. That's Flyers totally valid. Are, they're pretty good teams. I don't know if you heard, like, they were chasing Washington down for the division title last year, and they still have a lot of very talented players, have a lot of depth on their back end as well, and Carter Hart and Brian Elliott went on their game, you could argue best ta- uh, best goalie tandem in the league right now, um, but lately they haven't been, and they got shelled by the Islanders 6-1, to one, and Carter Hart was in the net the entire game, so I don't know what's up with the Flyers goaltending, they're also out of the playoff picture in the East Division, so the these losses, um, they're certainly not great for them, especially when they're going to get a heavy dose of, you know, the teams in contention now. They're pretty much done with Buffalo, and they're done with New Jersey almost as well. Um, and I, I just I just feel like uh, it, time is c- kind of quickly running out on the Flyers to kind of get things in order. For the Rangers, they're starting to get their game together. They're starting to look like the team that I thought they were during the season previews. Uh, question, Brett, filling in was Chris Knobloch. He okay. was a former Flyers assistant coach. Oh, wow. Because irony is funny. Yeah. And the current coach of the Hartford Wolfpack, the affiliate um, in the AHL of the Rangers. Uh, Hartford assistant coach Gordon Murphy also joined him. And uh, Rangers assistant GM Chris Drury also on the bench. Jeez. Um. Yeah, like you said, Brett, I thought if anyone was going to get blown out of the Rangers, apparently not. Um, Seven goals in a span of 18 minutes and one second in the second period. Um, Brian Elliott was chased after four goals on 16 shots. Buchnevich's quick two goals in two minutes uh, chased him from the game. Carter Hart comes in, as you mentioned, doesn't fare much better. Truba makes it 5-0. Mika Zibanejad has three assists at this point in the second period. Yeah. And then he gets three straight goals in like ten minutes. It's eight nothing, and then Philip Keel makes a nine nothing. Yeah. So it it, it 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 just didn't stop. Like no. you look at a game like Colorado and Minnesota, where Cam Talbot of the Wild faces fourteen shots when the Abs were on the power play. The Abs had two power play chances all game, and he faced like fifty five shots. And you're thinking, okay, well Colorado probably got a lot of goals. Well, they only got five. Yeah. The Rangers. At this point in the hockey game, didn't even have 30 shots. I don't think they even got 30 shots. I think they had 29 the entire game, mm-hmm. and they won 9 nothing. So what what really impressed me, not uh, aside from Mika Zibanejad's big game, um, was the ability for the Rangers to just keep it simple and execute. Like, 9 goals on 29 shots is crazy efficient numbers mm-hmm. and to expand on Zibanejad's um, big game uh, he is the first NHL player in history to have a natural hat trick, score all three types of goals power play, shorthanded, even strength 
and have three plus assists in the same game, and he did it in a single period. And about power play shorthanded and even strength stat, he scored a power play goal, a shorthanded goal, and an even strength goal for a hat trick against the Sens last year. Yeah. He's done that in back-to-back years. He, even though he only has like six goals with uh, with this performance included, I kind of feel like Mika Zibanejad's on the up and up, and that's very big for this team because I feel that's the one ingredient they're missing. Like, yeah, it's great that Chris Kreider is scoring goals and Pavel Buchnevich is coming up big and Panarin's still good and Adam Fox is emerging as a huge presence on their back end. Mika Zibanejad hasn't been scoring like Mika Zibanejad was all of last year, and that's what made them so deadly. Yeah. If he gets going, Rangers could be next-level good very, very fast, and they don't even have Shazurkin in that. Yeah, I mean, well, Shazurkin's also been pretty good, too. I think they're finally coming together, but it is kind of funny the fact that the Rangers weren't didn't even have like their, their coach in, um, and, and this is the result they have. The other thing that I want to mention about the Flyers is one that Ghost Despair was benched and uh, healthy scratched because I guess even though he's been playing pretty well, um, Elaine Vignola is like, you know what, we're going to scratch you. And then, so after that game, you would think that, okay, maybe Elaine Vignola would make some changes. Nope, he's healthy scratched the next game and the next game after that, which is just absurd if you're a Shane Ghost Despair fan. Um, all, I guess, I mean, I guess it's the writing on the wall that he's about to get traded or he'll be traded, or he'll go to Seattle or something. But um, the other things that I did want to mention, too, is uh, the New York Islanders who played them next. So the Flyers did beat the Islanders uh, the next day, which I guess makes sense. But then on Saturday, the Islanders came back and won 6-1. So it's like it's not all their issues are are solved. They, they still are getting um, completely uh, decimated um, on the scoring sheet. I don't know what's going on with them because they're, um, I guess all of a sudden their defense stinks and Carter Hart isn't as amazing as he, we thought he was. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's like, it is kind of time to worry about Carter Hart, but at the same time, it, you know, he's still a young goalie. So maybe he's not as good as we all thought he was, but there is still a chance, hope for him because he is still so young. So, um, so I would like to yeah. remind people, um, for those worried about Carter Hart, Carey Price at one point was playing very, very well for the Habs, and then he had a rough patch, then he got sent back down to the Hamilton Bulldogs of the AHL. Yeah. And he, he didn't... He didn't um, seem to react to it very well. He was pretty disappointed. Then he came back, eventually found his game in 2009-10. He struggled while Halak went on that run. Mm-hmm. Then the Canadians traded Halak. Price became their number one goalie, and he didn't disappoint. Mm-hmm. So it's a rough patch for Carter Hart, but I'm not panicking yet. You'll, you'll get through it. You'll be good. You'll be just as good as everyone yeah. thinks he is. I mean... Yeah, I guess you're right. It's not, like, time to panic just because he is so young. And, like you mentioned, Carter, uh, Carey Price. But there's also, like, examples of, like, Matt Murray or Andrew Raycroft who were really good at the start of their career and then all, all of a sudden just started to tail off for one reason or another. But, of course, both of them took a little bit longer than this brief stint right now. So maybe maybe it's um, maybe he'll, be, he'll bounce back, but we'll see. Um, also, um, I guess in other news, uh, I guess, uh, Anders Lee is out for the season. Um, I think it was, it's a leg injury, so he's, it's like an ankle sprain or something like that, but, um, actually I should, I could look, (laughs) I'll look right now. Um, it's a knee injury, so he's out for the season. Um, yeah, and I guess this is, uh, good news for... Kiefer Bellows and Oliver Wallstrom because they're uh, they're going to take his place um, over on the first line there. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely a sad season for him. But the odd thing about the Islanders is that they're still winning even when without Anders Lee um, in their system. They they're all the, it's just I don't know how the Islanders keep on doing this because they shouldn't be winning all these games, but uh, they are. 
it's 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 remarkable. Yeah, um, in terms of um, in terms of that division, yeah, like it's 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 pretty it's pretty interesting how mm. how tight things are. Like you look at the Islanders and the Capitals and how neck and neck they are. Uh, the run that the Islanders have been on. We've been talking about how bad Buffalo is, but right. Washington, the Islanders have really caught fire. Um, Pittsburgh, all of a sudden, back from the dead, yep. they're looking pretty solid. Tristan Jerry's looking solid. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, in terms of like, in terms of like how the Islanders um, are performing as a team. I think they're they're like a collective unit that yep. doesn't thrive on a single player. Yeah. Um, at the same time, Anders Lee brings a lot of great leadership to that team. He's actually scoring at a 36-goal pace. If it was a full 82-game season, he played all 82 games. He has 12 goals in yeah. 27 games. Uh, three of those goals were power play markers. Another three were eventual game winners. Um, and that injury that he's going through is unfortunate, and he's led the team in goal scoring uh, since the start of 2016-17. Um, and and even without John Tavares, he still scored a decent amount. Um, so that's going to be a, t- a tough uh, pill to swallow for the Islanders. But they do have Andy Green, who captained for a number of years. So they do have some leadership there. They have a fair bit of offense. And um, it, it appears they're going to be looking for a rental player. Lule Morello says they'll be looking for a rental player while Andrews Lee is out recovering from that ACL injury. Um, so... I don't know who that rental player is going to be. It could be Ricard Raquel. It could be Kyle Palmieri. It could be Taylor Hall. Yeah. But it appears that they're aiming for a rental. Um, and Anders Lee's probably going to be on LTIR. So that's about $7 million cap hit that's off the books. So that gives him some cap flexibility to, I don't know, maybe get someone like Ricard Raquel or someone like right. Taylor Hall on their team um, that, that can help, um, help out on the wings there. Um, but... I, I feel like whoever they do get, um, they have to fit in within the Barry Trotz team system. True. I don't know if they're going to necessarily light it up offensively, but if they can make the team better and play an all-around game, uh, I think the Islanders will, will definitely look uh, to add someone in that department. But it also helps on top of that. Uh, we were talking about Anders Lee and his importance, the importance of their young players like Kiefer Bellows and Oliver Wallstrom. Um, they've showed some strides over the yep. past couple of weeks, which is amazing to, to see for them because we've been waiting on Kiefer Bellows to show his potential. Same with Oliver Wallstrom. We've been waiting for him for at least a good year or two. And now that um, they've shown that, A, they can play, and B, they can score goals, um, it's definitely promising that that they can get through that. Um, but I think as long as their goaltending tandem holds out and their team defense holds up, um, they could probably get away with scoring like three to four goals in a game and sneaking yeah. out wins. Yeah, I think that's ultimately how they do it. It's not like it's not as exciting as when the Oilers and the Maple Leafs play because what they do is they just rely on their offense um, to keep them afloat, but then their defense isn't as strong. Whereas for the Islanders, they have strong defense, but like they just try to eke out wins like one nothing or two nothing or something like that. So that's really how they do it. But it's not as exciting. But as long as they win, they win. You know. So, um, so yeah. If you're an Islanders fan, you'll you're probably excited just as long as you're winning. So, um, and I guess it's it's just a testament to how good Barry Trotz is as a coach and how he gets players to buy in um, to their system just because. Um, yeah, if, if you're winning, um, nothing else matters. So, so that's um, it's a testament to how good the Islanders are. Um, also, um, uh, before we get on to the Sabers, I do because I did see this on Twitter, and I do want to mention it quickly. I know next week we're planning on doing a midseason awards, but and I'll probably mention it then as well. But Connor McDavid, uh, he has 60 points in 34 games right now. He's leading the league in points. That means, uh, so I just saw the stat that uh, someone like projected um, what it would be like if he put out, if it was just a normal 82-point season and if he kept this pace, um, 
and uh, he would have 145 points in 82 games mm-hmm. if he yep. keeps up this pace. Uh, the last player to break even 130 points in a full season was Mario Lemieux in 1995. Um, mm-hmm. so, and Kucherov came yeah. close a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, like 120. Yeah, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, who's the next on the points list, has... Like uh, is projected to be like 120, which is around where Kucherov was a couple of years ago. But, um, but 145 in this, uh, in this year or this season would be uh, nuts. I mean, it's just a shame that it's not an 82 season because we wouldn't be able to see it. But, um, but yeah, even still having like two points per game um, would be a, a crazy stat to. Uh, to get to um, at this point, so uh, McDavid. If if you haven't watched McDavid, which I don't know why you wouldn't be, but now's the time to to watch him because uh, he's like he's in his prime right now. Um, I think if we, I think if we, when we do talk about the awards, um, we're probably gonna have to like name yeah. at least one guy that could seriously contend McDavid for the Hart Trophy and bring out every stat in the book. Because <laughs> honestly, you're gonna need every single one. To tell yep. people, yeah, Connor McDavid shouldn't win the Hart Trophy. Yep. I'm, like, yeah, it gets to a point where like you can't argue it. Right. I'm not. I'm not. I, I don't think I will even be able to do that, Steve. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not telling you in advance. I'll, I'll make an effort because <laughs> I want to give other people some. some yeah. Time I mean, spotlight I'll too, give. But like, yeah. This this guy's too good. I'll get. I'll if give you some. Points, yeah. If you take away his power play points, Connor McDavid's still fifth in the league in points. Yeah. It's it's nuts. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll give some honorable mentions for sure, but uh, it's yeah. it's McDavid already. I, I'm spoiling yeah. spoiler alert, but uh, McDavid's yeah, I was, I was joking getting the heart. At the beginning of the year, that if anyone could get a hundred points, it would be McDavid. He might yeah. actually do it now. I know, I know. Um, it's possible, yeah, certainly. Um, all right, so now the uh, the big uh, story right now, and I guess we kind of have alluded to it um, in previous episodes um, because, you know, Omar got injured, Eichel got injured, and we talked about that in these briefly me- brief mentions and stuff. But um, now it's official. Uh, the Sabres finally have fired Ralph Kruger. The Sabres still haven't won a game since January, uh, sorry, February 23rd. It felt like January. Um, uh, and yeah, they've gone on a 13-game losing streak. They're six, nineteen, and four. That's last in the NHL by about seven points. Um, and you have other stats here, but um, but yeah, so they have some key injuries like Eichel that we've talked about before, Olmark that we've talked about before. Um, so both those are the key, the biggest injuries. Also, Dylan Cousins is out. Uh, he has an upper body injury, although it, it appears that he. He might be ready by the next time uh, the Sabres play. Um, Jake McKay is also injured. Will Borgen and Zemgis Gergensons are also injured. But uh, basically, Jack Eichel and Linus Lomark are the two big ones. Because uh, those, like, if those two guys are playing well, we'll pro- we're probably not having this discussion. Um, but, um, but yeah, so so that's the, the crazy news there. Uh, Eric Stahl and Sam Reinhardt are now on trade rumors. Uh, we've kind of sort of bounced around the, the talk around, like, Eichel's not performing well, um, even when he is healthy and skating. Uh, he only has, like, one goal or something like that, even though he's more known for his assist rate. Oh, no, sorry, he has two goals um, and 16 assists in 21 games. So not terrible, but, like, you would think that he could score a little bit more. Um, even as a center, Taylor Hall only has two goals, um, with 14 assists. Um, and then you also have, there's another one, um, that we're talking about. Oh, Jeff Skinner, who has two goals as well, but he has one assist. And there's been times when he's been healthy scratch, which is crazy for the amount of money he's making, which is like $6 million. Um, um, actually it might be more expensive than that. Uh, but, uh, so it's kind of crazy that he's not doing well either. Um, I feel like it's ad nauseum at this point. Like, this is, you know, the coach, uh, Ralph Kruger, like, he should have been fired years, you know, even, like, early this year. 
because uh, especially when there's a guy like Gerard Gallant is on the block, um, is still available. But um, yeah, it's just it's just crazy that um, the Sabers are doing this poorly. I didn't expect that. But yeah, uh, you have some stats that I I was gonna let you take the lead over on the team stats and and things of that nature. And then you can get into yeah, general so thoughts. I, I, I would normally go into that type of tangent, and, and I will start off with, with that, but I won't go too heavy into the stats because I feel a team that goes on a 13-game slide, you would expect their stats to be pretty bad. Mm. Um, and also, I want to point out, because, Brett, there, there was actually a point this week where I'm wondering, do I really want to talk about the Sabres again? Because we've talked about the Sabres at nausea. Yep. Like, at several times, like, Dan Bilesma, gone. Tim Murray, gone at the same time as GM. Uh, just last offseason, Jason Bodro, gone as GM. Kevin Adams comes in, and already he has to make a change. Like, it's just been a revolving door of goaltenders, head coaches, GMs. This is, like, their third GM since Darcy Regeer was uh, tossed aside. Um, and, like, they've had, like, this is, I think, Jack Eichel's fourth or fifth coach uh, during his time in Buffalo, and he hasn't been there for, like, even 10 years. So it, it, it just gets to a point where you're just like, it, it's just a different problem, but the same result. The Sabres are struggling. The Sabres aren't winning like they should be. And I was, I was taking a look at their roster, and I will say, yes, they're in a pretty tough division. Like, they're in the toughest division in hockey. Uh and even when they go back to the Atlantic Division, they're still going to have to deal with Tampa Bay and Boston and Toronto and Montreal and Ottawa could be good and Buffalo and, and Florida is also good. So, like, it, it's, it, it just never ends. The suffering just continues for the Sabres, which is unfortunate. Um, but I, I, I do want to point out some interesting stats. Their power play is still in the top ten in the league right now. They're, I think, sixth or seventh over 20%. It's under 10% during the slide. They've averaged like, I don't know, 1.5 goals per game, less than 25 shots per game during this losing streak. During this losing streak, they've only scored the first goal of the game twice. And they haven't won once in any of those games because they're on a 13-game losing streak. Yeah. Um, 12 at the time of firing Ralph Kruger as well. Um, but... I, I, I'm just I'm, I'm just looking at their his their history of losing here uh, since Lindy Ruff left since um, Darcy Regeer left as GM. You look at Lindy Ruff's wins as a Sabres coach by year. In his first year, he had 36. In his second year, he had 37. You go into year four, he has 46. Um, then there's a couple of off years when Hashik has left and the Sabres are kind of going through a mini rebuild, not nearly as long as this one has taken, which I don't know if you classify as a rebuild still. Eventually they do come back to returning to the playoffs. They have a whopping 52 wins in 0506. They have 53 in 0607. Then they have 39, 41, 45, 43, 39, and then Lindy Ruff had six and 17 games before he was dismissed in 2012-2013, which was a shortened season. So Buffalo, during the Lindy Ruff era, registered 571 wins, 432 losses, 162 overtime shootout losses slash ties because he was in both eras, which is really weird. Um, 1997 to 2013, one guy is their coach. He wanted Jack Adams. That team that he was coaching in Buffalo went to four conference finals in his first nine years. In 1999, hey, they even made the Stanley Cup finals. Look at that. Great. Something they hadn't done since 1975. That was his second year with the team. And yeah, they missed the playoffs six times during that time. They missed it in 0102, 0203, 0304. 0708, 0809, and 2011, 2012. And yeah, they had Dominic Hasek and Ryan Miller during the span, but I feel like those Sabres teams were good teams. 
they didn't have the superstars like Jack Eichel and Rasmus Dahlin. Um, but they had guys like Michael Pekka, they had Chris Drury, they had Jason Pominville, they had Thomas Bennett, they had Maximum Finneganov. On the back end, they had Brian Campbell and Jay McKee. They had a lot of great guys that I feel like these teams played really well. And you look at some of the non-playoff teams that Lindy Ruff assembled. They were 35-35, and one in 0-1-0-2 for 82 points. Last in their division, 20th out of 30 teams. 0-2-0-3, 27-37, 10-8 for 72 points. Last in their division again, 26 out of 30 teams. And then in previous... And then, er, sorry, in each of the next four years where they missed the playoffs, 0304, 0708, 0809, 2011, 2012, they're either 18th or 19th out of 30 teams, but they're not in the bottom 10. And they have 85, 90, 91, and 89 points respectively. All right? Now we take a look at what they've done in the non-playoff years since Lindy Ruff left. Their highest win season was 35. That was Bilesmo's first year. They went 35, 36, and 11 for 81 points. That's less than each of the, 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 only, the only team that Lindy Ruff coached, the non-playoff team that Lindy Ruff coached that had fewer then 81 points was 0203 when Buffalo had 72 points. Okay? Yeah. The Sabres have been last in their division since Lindy Ruff has gone. They have been last in their division one, two, three, four times. Seventh in the division once, sixth in the division twice, and they're on pace to be last again. In terms of overall rankings, in the league, starting in 2012-2013, here is where they have ranked. 22 out of 30. 30 out of 30. 30 out of 30, again, second time. 23 of 30. 26 of 30. 31 of 31, third time they've been last in the league. 27 of 31. 25 of 31. If this continues, they'll be 31 out of 31 again. And right now, they're seven points behind the clearly rebuilding Ottawa Senators yep. and Detroit Red Wings. How embarrassing can you be with a team that has Victor Olofsson, Jack Eichel, Jeff Skinner, Rasmus Dahlin, and while he's currently injured, Linus Olmark, who's arguably been their best goalie since Ryan Miller. I, I don't know how this level of mediocrity just continues. It's, it, it's honestly gotten to the point where it's a chronic form of habit. Like, the Sabres can't win. They, all yeah. they do is lose. And I think, as a fan, you have to be frustrated like color Dwayne. like how frustrated do you think he is now he was frustrated <laughs> last year how frustrated do you think he is when his team is 619 and 4 with only 16 points and can't even score power play goals now couldn't even score goals before this losing streak it, it just boggles the mind how no matter what they do no matter what they put on the ice it just doesn't work yeah yeah, it feels so long ago that the when you mentioned the Sabres like made the Stanley Cup Finals, and it was just like, wait, they made the Stanley Cup Finals? <laughs> like, I, I completely <laughs> forgot that they made the Stanley Cup Finals, even though it was like 10 years, uh, like 20 years ago, almost like 15 years ago, I think. Um, <laughs> just, just crazy to think that like this used to be a team that um, that was pretty consistently good for, for long periods of time with the likes of uh, Chris Drury and Daniel Barrier, and then all of a sudden they just stunk. I think it was like back when they had the Buffa Slug as the logo, too. That's how bad yeah. they were. But the and Buffa the Slug... The they, they made the playoffs yeah. was with that logo. Yeah, the the best time that... The, the, the time that they were the most successful in recent history 
was when they had the, the worst uniforms of all time. So it's, it's kind of crazy to think about that. Because you would think, like, at least maybe they could have some form of success and, and something like that. But they've been bad for, for the last decade or so, even more than a decade. It's um, just crazy. Um, and uh, also, you, you weren't sure when um, what where the Buffalo ranked in the power play percentage they're seventh in uh, power play percentage at the moment, but to yeah. your point, which, they they have a big again, is, is absolutely mind-boggling yep. when you consider their record and yep. this losing streak that they're so, they somehow have a top ten yeah. power play. This, yeah, even with a losing streak like that, yeah, um, it is mm-hmm. kind of nuts, um, and yeah, it's it's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, as someone who you know the, the Bruins, uh, one my favorite team, obviously. Um, they, they always beat up on the Sabres. Um, I feel kind of bad for the Sabres, uh, cause they're, uh, I feel like the, the team, like the fans of Buffalo, uh, I know a couple of Buffalo fans from, from my fantasy leagues and they're always like very dedicated and passionate people, which is impressive considering that they've lost, <laughs> they, they always lose every single season. Um, and you would think that like the Pagulas going to Buffalo in particular because, you know, the Pakulas have taken over both the Sabres and the Bills. Um, and recently the Bills have done, um, you know, they've made the playoffs there. They were one of the best teams in the league uh, last year in the NFL. And you would think like, okay, maybe that transfers over um, because it's the same ownership. And no, it, it hasn't. Um, and that's kind of crazy too, but on, on that front though, it probably does add a little bit more pressure for the Sabres, uh, because they aren't, um, the most beloved team anymore in Buffalo. Uh, now I think a lot more people are Bills fans than there are Sabres fans there. Um, and I think like, uh, I did read somewhere that a big reason why the Bills have been successful, uh, with Pagula is the fact that, like, the Bills had, like, an agreement, a written agreement with Pagula on on how much control Pagula can have, or the, the Pagula family can have, um, and whereas the Sabres haven't done that yet, and the Pagulas have pretty much been pretty hands-on on the Sabres, whereas they haven't been as hands-on on the Bills, and you could maybe make the case that the Sabres should, like, the Pagulas shouldn't be hands-on with the Sabres as well, because um, just for whatever reason, um, that's probably You know what, that, that could be the main reason, because, yeah. like, you, like, <laughs> like, we were talking about how mediocre the Sabres have been. This will mm-hmm. be probably, we can assume, they'll miss the playoffs for a 10th straight year, which is the longest playoff drought in league history right or today. But here are the amount of permanent NHL coaches since Terry Pagula's tenure as owner of the Sabres, which he bought in 2011. Lindy Ruff, Ted Nolan, Dan Bilesma, Phil Housley, Ralph Kruger. The average length of their stay in Buffalo has been 133 games. Yeah. And out of those coaches I mentioned, minus Lindy Ruff, the best points percentage any one of them ever had over their stay in Buffalo was Dan Bilesma with a 485 and not a single coach has an above 500 record yeah. as coach of the Sabres in that time. Like, I don't know what what you can link to Buffalo's struggles where no matter what coach, what GM they hire, it just leads to an L to the face. Yeah, no, I know. It, 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 it's, th- th- this is what I hope the Ottawa Senators don't become, okay? <laughs> the Buffalo Sabres are a lesson of what you should yeah. not do. They are the team you don't want to become. And I really feel bad for Buffalo. I know people who cheer for the Sabres. I know people in Ottawa that cheer for the Sabres. And they love that team so much. And they want that team to do well. But I don't know how you fix this. Like, people ask, well, what's wrong with the Sabres? I don't think anyone knows. And that's worse than trying to fix the problem, a very big mess. Because, you know, when there's a mess or whatever and you have an idea of how to fix the problem, well, now you go out and execute and you fix the problem. It's a 50-50 shot. You either execute or you don't. 
it's you can't do anything if you don't know what's wrong at all. And right. it's like, what's wrong? I don't know. Well, the house is probably going to get fixed then. Yeah, no, you're right. That That is a good point there. Um, I uh, So other things that I should mention, Jonas Johansson. It is Johansson. I thought it was Jonasson for some reason. Uh, he's dealt to Colorado for a 2021 six-round pick. Um, that was like one of the weird moves. I guess the rebuild is beginning again, or it's in the middle of it. I don't know anymore. Uh, but yeah, so Jonas Johansson is going to the Avs, and now watch like uh, Jonas Johansson become like this like really really good player for some reason. Um, oh, just to, just to turn the knife even more, Brett. He was the first pick of the third round in his draft year. Yeah. Victor Arvidsson and Braden Point went after him. Oh wow, I didn't know that. So uh, I don't know. Buffalo maybe could have used those players. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> thought I thought you were going. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I thought you were going to go with uh, some uh, John Vogel, who's the the Sabers beat writer for the Athletic. Uh, he tweeted out after this trade that he said that Joan Jonas Johansson, what like he's covered the Sabers for about thirty years, and he said that without exaggeration, Jonas Johansson has been the worst goaltender in practice and in game that he's ever seen. And so that just shows how how uh, how bad he thinks Jonas Johansson is. But it's just it's just like at that point I was just thinking like now watch like Jonas Johansson just suddenly become like the best goaltender of all time, like Dominic Hasek two point He might he might not be the best goaltender of all time. Right. But he could be an average goaltender yep. because Colorado is a good team and get this their defense is good. Yeah, their defense what? is good too. Like, what a yeah. game changer. Put him in front of a good defense. If he's just an average backup, yep. Colorado wins that trade. They give up a six-round pick. Who cares? Right. What's that six-round pick going to turn into, you know? Yeah, it can't right. be worse than Hunter Miska, who's their their <laughs> current backup. So Yeah, and uh, even, even yeah. then, you know, if they fall behind 4-2 in a game, sure. uh, helps when you face the Ducks. They can yeah. come back and score, like, six unanswered and win the game, so. Yeah, as a newly uh, Duck Anaheim Ducks fan, that was a heartbreaker for sure. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, we're winning all of a sudden, and then and I was like, like oh right, of course it's like, Colorado. Oh, yeah, yeah, it must be must be sucking to watch the Ducks yeah. suck. Yeah, at least you yeah. guys have a cup. Well, what happened was uh, Grubauer just came in after uh, Miska just gave up four goals. So I guess that was the determination of. Colorado to be like, you know what, Hunter as as good as our defense is, uh, Hunter Maska is just that bad. So let's uh, let's just put someone else in, um, even Jonas Johansson. Um, anyways, uh, so we kind of covered our general thoughts here. So um, I guess our first question here is, how do we fix the Sabers? Um, I don't know actually, because I think the the crazy thing when I look at their cap friendly page. Um, you know, they, they have, they have Jeff Skinner long-term, they have, um, Jack Eichel long-term, which I mean, that makes sense. You have Jeff, uh, Jack Eichel long-term, right. Jeff Skinner is making $9 million per year. So that's probably the worst contract, um, in the league right now. Um, so I would, I think the, the two biggest things I need to figure out, um, is, or I guess three biggest things is one. Figure out how you're going to deal with Jeff Skinner. Um, like, just don't healthy scratch him, but also, like, like figure out how, why, like, I don't know. Like, just somehow figure it out. I don't think anyone's going to want him for a trade with that with that contract. So you can't really trade him, but you're going to have to, like, figure it out because you're going to have to deal with that contract for the rest of um, his time here, and uh, that's going to be a pretty long time. Um then you have uh, Rasmus Dahlin. He hasn't been as good as we all expected him to be, but um, I think there is there is something where you have to figure out what um, what's needs to happen. Um, but I think like you also have to you know this coach, whoever it may be, um, it may not be Ted Granado in the long run, but if it's um, if it's Rasmus, like, you know, they also have to figure out what's, 
what's going wrong with Rasmus Dahlin. So those are like the two biggest problems. Um, and then I think like the biggest problem is, is that um, Ryan Miller is not walking through that door. Um, well, I mean, he is still around, but he's not walking through the door. Prime Ryan Better Miller. Yet, prime Ryan Miller's I not should, walking yeah, through that door. I should clarify that. Prime Ryan Miller's not walking through that door. Dominic Hasek's not walking through that door. But, and Carter Hudden's not the answer. Maybe even Linus Ulmark's not the answer. You're going to need, like, and it, we all, we talked about this ad nauseum last, um, last week that there are so many goaltenders that are going to be available in free agency. Get one of them or trade, trade for Marc-Andre Fleury. Just get one of them. Cause I, I found out that if you're like not having a good goalie is, it's probably like, like if you have a good goalie, then the chances of you winning a game are, go up exponentially and if you don't have a good goalie, then you have no shot at winning at all. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. I think that's probably their biggest thing is just get a goalie that can can make um, make a save <laughs> or just be legitimate um, in in that front. And whoever that is, um, then do it. Even if, I, I doubt like someone like Grubauer would want to do it, but um, or even Freddie Anderson would want to do it, but. Um, uh, and if they could even afford that, but they just need to get a goalie um, who who can make a save um, and be reliable for them. Um, and and th- there's that. I mean, I know that they have Uko Pekka Lukonen. I'm not solely convinced on him yet. And the, probably the worst thing you want to do to a young goalie is rush him into the league when he's not ready. So I'm not sure if that's the best move either is to like bring him up. But but yeah, I think. A big concern is just get a goalie. Um, I think that would be the biggest thing for that. And um, and yeah, maybe like figure out how Dylan Cousins and Casey Middlestead fit into the lineup. Figure out Jeff Skinner. Basically, just a lot of players to figure out. Um, and um, and yeah, so those those would be kind of like the bigger in general moves that I would I would make is just like coaching stuff of like trying to figure out what's what's going on wrong with Rasmus Dahlin and what's going wrong with Jeff Skinner. Yeah, so I definitely think goaltending, they need to improve on that. I also think their defense relatively unchanged from last offseason and uh, the season before. Didn't really get the job done then. It's not getting the job done now. Needs to improve. Uh, Rasmus Ristolainen is another guy they they need to to look mm-hmm. at. I know that COVID's uh, slowing him down a little bit, which is unfortunate. Um, but even then, Rasmus Ristolainen is not really the best defender. Uh, definitely good offensively, but not right. the best defender. So they need to get Dalin and Ristolainen on the same page a little bit and really shore up that that back end because um, I I don't think. The guys right right now can can keep up with that. Like it's it's one thing to have, even if their top six is scoring, you need to be able to defend against the other team's top six, which is tough to do because the top six in a lot of the teams in your division is also just as good as yours, if not maybe slightly better. So um, Buffalo needs to get good at defending. And there are also some intangible characteristics that we're looking at that Kevin Adams pointed out when these changes were made and you, you look at the message that Kevin Adams was trying to send on March 5th when the losing streak was at five or six games and then the losing streak continued. So obviously whatever he did, it, it just wasn't getting through. And even though the players like Ralph Kruger, the results just weren't there. Um, so Kevin Adams, after these changes were made, uh, he said, players need to understand, and I'm going to have to make a serious conversation with them. There has to be a pride that goes with putting on a Buffalo Sabres jersey. That has to be inside you and has to drive you every day. It has to be in the DNA of our team. There has to be a pride in showing up every day and being an NHL player. If we don't have that, it's unacceptable. You name it, we have to do it better. So just the ability to compete, doing better in the harder areas of the game, defending better, being more tenacious on the puck, Managing the game better. Uh, Kevin Adams asked, at the end of your shift, do you get rid of the puck and turn it over? 
or, or do you do something else with it? Do you try to make something happen? So those little things, I think, are going to be key in what Kevin Adams does next. And he's made it very clear he's open to anything and everything. He's open to anything and everything on Taylor Hall, uh, the rest of the roster with the coaches. Yep. Um, and he clearly showed with the dismissal of Ralph Kruger and Steve Smith that he wasn't joking around the coaching part. The changes aren't – they're far from done. Like, they're the, – I expect Buffalo to be pretty active at the trade deadline. Um, they're going to search immediately for the new coach, but – Kevin Adams wants to make it clear this won't this decision is about getting the right guy. It's critical that they get the right guy. Um, and he's going to take the time he needs to make that call. Don Granado, for the meantime, is the interim. Uh, and we'll see if he can do the job. But if he can't, then uh, Buffalo will go ahead and get someone else. Yep. Um, and I think that's probably why they didn't get Gerard Gallant right away is – it's one thing to evaluate a coach based on past and present success. Um, I think Buffalo needs a certain coach. I don't think any typical run-of-the-mill coach is going to do to fix this problem. True. You need to get every single guy on the same page. You need to manage a lot of different players here. And you've got to get them competing a certain way. And I think if the Sabres don't have the character, they're not going to get wins. So they need to have, yes, they need good skilled guys, but they need good character guys. And not saying the guys that they have right now aren't good, good character guys, but I think in terms of the character department, they can offer more and we're not seeing that on the ice right now. So that needs to change. Yeah. I mean, I would, on the Gerard Gallant front, I would argue that they, you know, Calgary did make a move to get Daryl Sutter and, um, so like that, like, it's not like using this pandemic as an excuse. Like you should, you could still make a move and, and still get someone out there who you think would help. And of all the coaches that are available, I think Gerard Gallant makes the most sense, um, because he is the best one available. He's gotten like, he, he made an expansion team that practically had no one other than, like, Shea Theodore and Marc-Andre Fleury into a Stanley Cup Finals champion. So, like, <laughs> that's not someone that uh, you think will fix the Sabres, then I don't know who will. Um, so so I think there is something to that. But maybe you're right. Maybe they're waiting for it to be the offseason to go on more of a serious look and, and see what, what they do from there. Um, in other news, we have... Um, or other questions. Uh, do we think Hall or Jack Eichel will stay next year? There's been a lot of rumors now that Jack Eichel is going to move. Uh, Taylor Hall, he's he's a rental, so they kind of have to make a decision on him pretty quickly right now, especially considering quarantine and, and all that. But um, So do we think Hall or Jack Eichel will stay there? I think at the moment Taylor Hall... Um, they said that Taylor Hall is interested in another, like, re-signing with the Sabres. I don't know why he wants to do that, um, especially with everything else that's going on. And But, um, but yeah, if, if he wants to stay, then I guess all the power to him. Um, as for Jack Eichel, I feel like you should still keep him. Um, I, I feel like it's a wrong move to, to trade him. Um, however... Um, if it's like a Patrick Laine or Pierre-Luc Dubois type situation where Eichel's just like, I can't do this anymore, then then yeah, it's it's kind of the Sabres' right to, to trade him uh, elsewhere to where he, um, you know, because that, that's the kind of wrong leadership that you need. Um, if, if, if your captain doesn't want to be there, then, then that's a bigger problem than... Uh, just trading them for the sake of making a big move. So, um, so yeah, I think I think it's, it really depends on if Eichel really wants to move out of Buffalo, then I think that will probably happen. But um, it may not happen this offseason. I would say probably next offseason if it doesn't get better, uh, which is very possible. Um, as for Taylor Hall, I, um, I would assume they're going to trade him, but... Um, but at the same time, who wants Taylor Hall right now? <laughs> no one really wants Taylor Hall. So I think when Taylor Hall signed, 
he, you know, we were all thinking like, okay, so Taylor Hall's just going to like score a bunch of goals with Jack Eichel. And then uh, the Saber, and if the Sabres aren't in playoff contention, then they'll trade Taylor Hall for whatever once the trade deadline comes and um, and all that stuff. But now, no one wa- wants him, even as a rental, because he hasn't been good um, at all. So, I mean, maybe uh, maybe someone wants like secondary depth and stuff. Um, I mean, I'll take him as a Bruins, but I doubt, I doubt that's going to happen. Um, but for $8 million left, it, it seems kind of like um, no one really wants wants that. I, I would assume he'll probably, the Sabres will retain some salary if that happens. But um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know um, if anyone really wants Taylor Hall, even as a rental. See, the good news for teams thinking Taylor Hall would be nice to acquire is you look at what happened when Ryan O'Reilly got traded to St. Louis. All he did was win a Selkie, win the Conn Smythe, win a Stanley Cup, and become the captain of the St. Louis Blues. Right. And then you look at what Robin Leonard did when the Sabres didn't qualify off for him. He signs with the Islanders. His career is resurrected leading to a long-term contract with the Vegas Golden Knights. And he's one of the best young goaltenders in the league today. So I think there's an argument to be said that when players leave Buffalo, it's no guarantee that the, the it's no guarantee the cloud's just going to stick with them. Like they'll get out of it. So I think Taylor Hall could be a pretty useful player on a contender. It could be the right contender, like the Islanders where I uh, play with Jordan Everly and Team yeah, Canada and kind of knows him a little bit. I feel like the Islanders could, maybe there's a fit there. Um, especially as we mentioned off the top with Anders Lee, him being gone. Um, so, But I, I think it would be a mistake for the Sabres to keep Taylor Hall around. Not that he's a bad player. I think he is a good player, but he's not the right fit for them. Even on a one-year or two-year deal, I don't think the Sabres would be wise to pursue it. It's nice that Taylor Hall is thinking about staying there even after everything that's happened. But I I just don't think the fit is there. Jack Eichel, it's going to be a situation where if he wants out, there's no turning back. Yep. And Buffalo needs to avoid that scenario as much as possible. And the good thing that Kevin Adams has done as GM his line of communication has been open daily with Jack Eichel. He's talking to him every single day, which is a very good move, a very proactive move. And I think the main thing that could say this, if Jack Eichel thinks Taylor Hall could be the answer, then maybe maybe they keep Taylor Hall around for one more year and they try this again next year and see if anything is different. Um, maybe at that point they have a coach and the, the team gets to their winning ways again. And, and, the new coaching system affects Taylor Hall better. So that could also be a possibility. But right now, I don't think Taylor Hall's a fit. Jack Eichel's going to be the captain of this team. But they need to really consider uh, what players to surround him with and um, how they manage that offensive talent moving forward. Because I do think the current structure, it's not going to do it for Buffalo. So they need to work out a few things here and there. Um, but I, I, I think if Jack Eichel wants out, like it's going to get very, very messy, very, very quickly for Kevin Adams, because you're paying Jack Eichel right now, $10 million per year. And he's got like four five, six years left on that deal. And you're, you're thinking, okay, well now my star player doesn't want to play for me. I got to move him but also get the biggest haul I can. So I'm asking teams, hey, uh, I want this guy and this guy and this guy for Jack Eichel. And they're just like, ah, bye. Thank you. We'll wait till he hits free agency. Have a nice day. So I, I feel that is where Buffalo really gets in a bind, where like there's a clear indication by Jack Eichel. He's done playing for the Sabres. He wants out. And on top of that, I believe he's also got like no trades attached. So right. he kind of picks and chooses where he wants to go so that limits where he goes and what buffalo can get for him so i feel get keep staying on jack eichel's good side is going to be imperative and i think this second half of the season 
isn't key for the reason that Buffalo needs to make the playoffs. They're not. Like, they're 15 points behind Philly, who's currently out of the playoffs, but I think the Sabres are dead in the water right now. But they need to give Jack Eichel reasons to stick around and see this thing through. Because I think after all these years of chronic losing, every player hits their breaking point after a while. Eric Carlson hit it, Mark Stone hit it, and they are no longer Ottawa Senators, unfortunately. So the the Sabres need to avoid that doomsday scenario where Jack Eichel says, I've had enough, I want out, please trade me. I think the longer they avoid that, the better their chances are of riding the ship, but they need to start riding the ship immediately, not waiting until next year. If, if they wait too long, it could be too late. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, it, well, it's a tricky situation. I know there's rumors about it. I always think it's a little strange to always have these like rumors around during it, but um, because it's like, yeah, the best player, I guess you could trade them, but it seems kind of pointless because you never really win those trades. But um, for Eichel, it, it could make sense. I, I could see a lot of teams paying a fortune to get Jack Eichel. Um, I wish the the Bruins weren't in the same division as the Sabres because then I think um, uh, it would be cool to have the Boston boy in um, with uh, with the, uh, the Boston Bruins, but I don't think that's going to happen with um, the Sabres trading in division um, like that. So, um, but, um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of giving up on that hope. And if it was, it'd probably be like for Pasternak or Charlie McAvoy. And then I'd just be like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, also, um, I just saw here on the wire that Linus Ulmark is practicing, um, and he's joining the Sabres on their road trip. So, um, so there's some good news for the Sabres there. Um, and then uh, lastly, obviously the season is over for Buffalo. They're not making the playoffs. Um, but will this move work in the long term by firing their coach? Um, I think we've, we've, I mean, I've talked about this for the last couple of months that, yeah, they should have fired this coach a long time ago, back when, you know, the, the Flames fired their coach, back when um, the other team fired their coach, which I'm blanking on right now. Um, they Montreal, Montreal, yeah, back when Montreal fired their coach, it's like so Montreal and Calgary fired their coach, but Buffalo has you know Ralph Kruger still has a job, so of course this was the right decision. Um, however, I'm not sure if this will work in the long term. It really depends on um, if they if Dan Granado is the guy or not. Or um, I do think that Gerard Glant would be the per- a good fit for them. Um, but yeah, it was definitely the right move because whoever it is, whoever is the next coach, I know Don Granado is the interim guy, but whoever is like permanent new coach, um, whoever that is like would, will be better than Ralph Krueger because it's hard to get worse. Um, so, um, and I guess those are like famous last words, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's very, um, it seemed like he had to go just because like when, as we mentioned before, when Eichel, Taylor Hall, Rasmus Dahlin, Jeff Skinner are all having terrible years, uh, then yeah, you know, something's up because those guys are good players normally. Um, and, and so, yeah, you think that there is something that's, that's going wrong. Um, and, and Ralph Kruger, uh, did get, uh, deserve to get fired. Um, as for the long term, I guess it remains to be seen just because we don't know who the permanent next head coach is going to be. But um, at the moment, it was the right move. Yeah, it wasn't like the Edmonton Oilers situation when Ralph Kruger was there where right. like the team was starting to trend upwards and then they just abruptly cut him like that. Um, I, I think he could have deserved a longer stay in Edmonton because there was at least some form of optimism after the rough years they had that maybe he was starting to turn the corner. There were ample chances for Buffalo to turn the corner, and despite Ralph Kruger's best intentions, they just couldn't do it. And at the end of the day, you're in a business where the owner's talking when they're bringing in Taylor Hall, like where they can contend for a Stanley Cup with Taylor Hall in the fold. And you're dead last in the league. I don't know how you just sit there and say, 
uh, I, Ralph, Ralph can get out of this. I have faith. Right. Um, there, there, there comes to a point where you just have to make the move, and it's it's a business. Ralph Kruger is a great personality. Seems like an optimistic guy. Uh, Pierre LeBrun actually texted him after he got fired, and he said he loved every minute of being coach of the Sabers, and um, he he has more wisdom in 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 the cranium now, and uh, he's going to go on to whatever lies that next. Yeah. So. Ralph Kruger, it definitely has the perfect mindset of the coach, but just didn't execute. And it's uh, my favorite quote from Josh Donaldson, um, one of my favorite Blue Jays of all time. He's like, this isn't the shoulda, coulda, woulda league. This is the getting it done league. Sabres aren't getting it done. They need someone who can. And Ralph Kruger wasn't that guy. And this this change had to be made. So as unfortunate as it was – it was the right call and it had to be made. So um, hopefully they can get it with Don Granato or somewhere else, but uh, they weren't, they weren't going to get it with Kruger. So here we are. Yep, for sure. Um, I like that quote from Josh Donaldson. Um, So uh, there we go. Uh, That's about it for us here. Uh, You can listen to us on SoundCloud at Lace Them Up, our iTunes and Spotify as well at Lace Them Up as well. Um, Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. And our Twitter is Lace Up Podcast. That's the only thing that's different um, from the others. And that's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 262 of the Lace Em Up Podcast.